It's only been a little over a week since the world of social media was thrown into chaos by the announcement that Elon Musk had quietly become the largest single investor in Twitter.com, despite his filings initially insisting that he was going to remain a passive partner in one of the most powerful platforms online. That was apparently proven false when a day after the news of his stock buys went public, the CEO of Twitter, Parag Agrawal, announced that Musk would in fact, become a member of the board, granting him far more influence than anyone had anticipated. So Elon was quick to embrace his not-so-hostile takeover of Twitter by taking credit for the development of an edit button, which is something that uh, the site had actually been working on for an extended period of time, uh, and also by running polls that would seemingly allow the, the future of the website to, to rest in the hands of anyone who responded to the poll, yeah. despite the results of any poll pitched by Musk uh, already having a kind of foregone conclusion. Of course, they're going to... Hey, does everyone agree with me? Should we make the site better or worse? Wow. Gamers, we heard you loud and clear. The Elon stands have spoken. So for Musk fanboys, this was an exciting development. For pretty much everyone else, this was just further proof that the rich and powerful are able to do whatever the hell they want, regardless of whether the outcome is good for humanity or just for them personally. Yeah, despite the clear problems of having one of the site's most prolific trolls having any sort of power over day-to-day -day operations, Agrawal seemed excited to announce Musk's future involvement, saying in a tweet from April 5th, I'm excited to share that we're appointing Elon Musk to our board. Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it became clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. He's both a passionate believer and intense critic of the service, which is exactly what we need on Twitter and in the boardroom to make us stronger in the long term. Welcome, Elon. Uh, then Musk, of course, replied, Looking forward to working with Parag and Twitter board to make significant improvements to Twitter in coming months. Well, not even a week since those statements were made, and there's already been a complete reversal in Musk's direct involvement with Twitter, with some bizarre, at times contradictory statements being made as to why there was such an abrupt change of heart, leading many to wonder just what the hell's going on behind the scenes over the last, I don't know, seven days? I'm getting whiplash. Yeah. So on Monday of this week, Agarwal, the same CEO who was ecstatic that Musk was coming on board, uh, tweeted out a statement. Uh, see if you can read between the lines here and find the parts that stick out as odd. So the statement reads as follows. Elon Musk has decided not to join our board. Here's what I can share about what happened. The board and I had many discussions about Elon joining the board and with Elon directly. We were excited to collaborate and clear about the risks. We also believed that having Elon as a fiduciary of the company where he, like all board members, has to act in the best interests of the company and all our shareholders was the best path forward. The board offered him a seat. It continues. We announced on Tuesday that Elon would be appointed to the board contingent on a background check and formal acceptance. Elon's appointment to the board was to become officially effective 4-9, but Elon shared that same morning that he will no longer be joining the board. I believe this is for the best. We have and will always value input from our shareholders whether they are on our board or not. Elon is our biggest shareholder and we will remain open to his input. There will be distractions ahead, but our goals and priorities remain unchanged. The decisions we make and how we execute is in our hands, no one else's. Let's tune out the noise and stay focused on the work and what we're building. Okay, so a lot to unpack here, but it really seems like they got to the, the one yard line. And then something unanticipated popped up that made everyone kind of rethink their plan. The statement really doesn't paint a stable picture of what's going on behind the scenes of Twitter and certainly doesn't make it seem as though Elon is in a position of power there would be uh, positive for their brand. Um, Agarwal specifically mentions thing like, things like background checks 
and acting in the best interests of the company and shareholders. Uh, him believing that Elon not joining is now the best idea, despite statements just a few days ago that seemed to contradict that. And also adding that uh, there will be distractions ahead. That really, I mean, it makes it seem like something weird is happening between them. Yeah, bit strange. Mm -hmm. So that weirdness, it might stem from a, a weekend filled with hot takes, specifically related to Twitter, where Musk seemed to mock the brand for what it's become. Uh, from TechCrunch. The Sunday disclosure from Agarwal follows a series of unusual tweets from the SpaceX executive over the weekend in which he wondered aloud to his over 80 million followers if Twitter was dying, citing low frequency of tweets from some of the most popular personalities on the social network. Musk also asked his followers if Twitter should convert its San Francisco headquarters into a homeless shelter, prompting a discussion that saw participation from a wide range of industry figures, including Amazon and Blue Origin founder uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, because he he's, he's one of those get back to work, get back to the office uh, executives, mm -hmm. even though uh, clearly after two years of uh, desk job, work from home life um, and everything, the world not ending and in some ways becoming more efficient. Uh, these executives, they want to see you at your desk. They want to be able to knock on the door and say, hey, weird. Why is productivity down so much? I is, have you as a captive audience. Is it because they have to commute two hours bare minimum a day? Is it because they're constantly under the threat of being monitored? Is it because they're actually spending, they're making less now because they're spending money on getting into yeah. and out of the office and having to eat lunch with their coworker? The whole thing is a fucking scam. It's so stupid that we're it even still having to this conversation. Anymore. Middle managers and fucking like multi-decade leases on... Yeah commercial property that's why and also uh yeah so he's doing the the work from home uh take he's doing the oh the bay area is uh, a third world homeless hellhole mm -hmm. takes yeah um even though it's all. like you you've never stepped foot on the sidewalk in the last decade so mm -hmm. why do you care um but yeah i think it really comes down to uh that term fiduciary duty which if you are on a board of a company you do have what is known as fiduciary duty which means um means a lot of things, but essentially means you can't talk shit on the company that you are a board member of because that actively harms the price of that company's stock. And, and they, you can actually be sued yeah. by shareholders for doing that. So this follows concerns from uh, current Twitter employees who saw Musk's involvement in the platform as potentially problematic, with some referring to the last week or so as a, quote, shit show, and also raising concerns as to whether Musk's objection to joining the board has anything to do with the stipulation that if he did join, he'd only be able to own up to 14.9% of the company. So by not joining, he could theoretically just take over the company through further stock purchases. So yeah, I mean, looks like there might be a, a few more distractions ahead. I just don't get it. Like, why, why does he care? Why does this person who supposedly uh, has, like, the best interests of humanity in mind, even though it's, I don't believe it, but that's how he's presented himself. That's how his fans present him. He's, uh, you know, exploring space, taking us to Mars, uh, getting us off uh, dirty, uh, unrenewable energy, getting brain implants. So, but, like, why the fuck does this man care about social media? Because people are mean to him there. Because he wants to be loved. And he does want to yeah. be loved. He loves shitposting. Please like me. Yeah. that's And one of the other things that someone brought up, I don't have the quote right here, but it was basically like, he continues to and has tweeted in the past things that would require an employee to go to HR. Like, yeah. we'd have to have a meeting about yeah. your tweets if you worked at the company and tweeted the shit that he does. 
Yeah, which so, most of the shitty tweets is just memes from like six weeks ago that are well past their uh, use-by date. But... I wouldn't be surprised if he owns <laughs> Nine Gag or something at this point as well, too. I mean, he might as well. Yeah. He owns it in spirit. This is the content factory that I own. It's the Nine Gag Giga Factory. Anyway, speaking of divisive personalities, his entire existence at this point seems to be setting the bar of decency to staggering new lows. Two of the worst people in the country have collabed once again. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Kid Rock and Donald Trump. As Together the, at last. So as the Kid Rock Bad Reputation Tour kicked off in Evansville, Indiana this past weekend, concert goers were treated to a video introduction from none other than former, arguably current, President Donald J. Trump. Well, let's take a look. All right, so we were going to show you the video, but in between the time that we filmed it and then edited it, uh, Kid Rock started issuing copyright takedowns, not even strikes, full takedowns of the video. So I'm just going to read you uh, the quote. Uh, basically, Donald Trump comes on, scr- uh, on screen uh, before the Kid Rock concert begins and says, Hello, everyone. I'm not going to do the voice. I love you all. I know you're having a great time at the Kid Rock concert tonight. Quite frankly, he's amazing. All of you in attendance are truly the backbone of our great country. Hardworking, God-fearing, rock and roll patriots. Uh, and then he goes on to talk about how Kid Rock sucks at golf, but it's fine. And then he puts on a hat uh, while saying, let's all continue to love one another, fight for our God-given freedoms, and most of all, let's make America rock again. And then literally puts on a MAGA hat that says, make America rock again. Sorry we can't show the video. Literally actual takedowns from Kid Rock. Bye. Okay. Uh, yeah. Kid Rock then took the stage, dressed as Uncle Sam, and sang a song that includes the lyrics, let's go Brandon and fuck Fauci. Yeah. So, um... Well, can't nobody tell him how to live. So there you go. You got a potty mouth, that Kid Rock. I do like that Trump put on the uh, Make America Rock Again hat. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. We love rock music. I love rock music. He literally is like... Bah with the bah. He's a great entertainer, but he's not good at golf. He's a very... He (laughs) needs to work on his golf. Me, I got a hole in one recently. Did you hear about it? Did everybody hear about this? Anyways, check it out. Here's a video of it. Uh, Anyways, let's uh, break away from the absurd reality that we're living in and take a look at gaming. What's up, gamers? The ultimate escape. Since the release of the Nintendo Switch a few years back, Nintendo has been far more open to games that cater to fans of any age or any level of maturity. So it's actually become a pretty great console that doesn't restrict titles that would have never been released on previous hardware. Then again, things might have finally gone too far because, as noted by various users on Twitter and Reddit, one game featured on the Nintendo Switch store recently is raising some eyebrows. The game, shown right at the top of the new games list, depending on when you opened up the store, is called Hentai Uni, which describes itself as, quote, a puzzle game that can be played with one hand. (laughs) (laughs) Its own description. Wow. What's the other hand doing, (laughs) Nintendo? Literally whatever you want. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Holy shit. Video Games Chronicle with more. The game has players completing puzzles in order to remove clothing from anime characters until they're left completely topless. T-O-P-L-E-S-S. Topless. Considering that historically Nintendo has been strict about ensuring its console libraries are clear of adult content, it may surprise some that this type of game was approved for release. However, 
times appear to have changed, and the platform holder seemingly adopted a more relaxed approach to adult content with the launch of the Switch in 2017. According to a Wall Street Journal report from around the console of launch, several Japanese developers claimed that Nintendo had expressed willingness to publish more risque or violent titles, which some would have expected it to block in the past. In comparison, Sony has cracked down on sexually explicit games in recent years. Ironically, considering the historic reputations of the two companies, there are now several examples of games featuring sexualized content that have been censored on PlayStation consoles but released untouched on Switch. We don't care anymore. We're getting wild with it. Switch is the uh, console of choice for coomers. Yeah, they love to coom. Uh, the article goes on to mention a few other titles that they found just with a, a brief search on the Nintendo shop. Titles like Fantasy Tavern Sextet, Panty Party, and Doki Doki Pants. Which, look, honestly, fine, whatever. Apparently, there were even a bunch of hentai games for the Nintendo DS, though they were never released in the U.S. Those are uh, when you take your uh, weeb trip to Japan. Yeah. You pick it up there and you bring it home. Uh, the, the only other thing we really actually worry about is the potential outcry from angry parents that could sacrifice actual good M-rated games being released. Because, you know, they go on there, they see a bunch of cheaply made, cheap-to-play nudity puzzle games. One angry mom finds out about some anime titties, and next thing you know, Doom has been deleted from the marketplace. These are all the same, right? Yeah. Uh, also, who would play a hentai game in public on the Switch? Actually, don't answer that. Yeah. You would. You would. You don't understand. If I get this one puzzle slid correctly, we're all going to see your boobs. Yeah. Anyway, over on the Sony side of things, they did just announce an absolutely massive investment into Epic Games, valued at $1 billion. And that's in addition to the over $500 million that the company has invested in Epic Games since 2020, though no one is exactly sure what the money's for or how it's going to be used outside of using broad terms like the metaverse. Here's Kotaku with more. Sony, the makers of PlayStation VR, have invested a cool $1 billion in Epic to further the development of new digital fan experiences and the metaverse. It's not totally clear what all this money's for, whether it's laying the groundwork for eventual PlayStation exclusivity of future games developed by Epic, or, as heavily suggested by statements from the CEOs of both companies, more about beefing up Sony's virtual reality endeavors. Sony's PSVR 2 is coming at some point. Representatives for Sony did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Epic Games, meanwhile, simply redirected Kotaku towards the press release announcing today's news. This investment will accelerate our work to build the metaverse and create spaces where players can have fun with friends, brands can build creative and immersive experiences, and creators can build a community and thrive, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney said in this release. They also, I think they just released the, the new Unreal Engine, which is... Uh, yeah, last week they did a demo of it. Pretty wild stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Code Miko is already using it. Good for, for her. her. VTuber stuff. Yeah. Uh, this investment also comes on the heels of, of course, Sony's acquisition of Bungie, uh, for $3.6 billion. So they are uh, definitely planning out the next decade at least of what they're going to be doing. And it's going to be interesting to see the results of these investments, specifically as it relates to their VR offerings, because the PSVR was solid for its price point, its accessibility. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it hasn't aged great. But at, I mean, it's what, like six years old now? Yeah. And it was surprisingly... For what it was. Pretty great. Yeah, playing on that. PSVR uh, yeah. with the PS5, like, with that kind of hardware, I feel like it could be pretty great. Yeah. Anyway, here's a story, uh, an update to a story that we covered a little while back. Um, turns out having a like life hack go viral is the easiest way for that life hack to just get completely ruined. 
because Six Flags is doing away with their unlimited dining plan, which was exploited no. by at least one California man who used it to eat all of his meals for next to nothing. It was brilliant. Ugh. Ruined. So in case you forgot about that story, uh, Six Flags had for years offered an upgrade to their annual membership deals that grant you unlimited access to the parks for a fee. Uh, the add-on was a dining plan that costs $150 a year, but would get you two meals and a snack during any visit to the park. Which how often, how often are people coming to Six Flags? These idiots are throwing their money away. So someone had been taking advantage of this deal by uh, taking their lunch breaks at the park, eating there, returning to work, and then returning to the park after work for dinner. Obviously not the healthiest way to eat, but it basically brings your food costs down to just a couple hundred bucks a year if you include the, in the uh, initial season pass and any meals that you're not eating at the park. Yeah. It's uh yeah, great deal. The guy even went into the details of like, okay, for the healthiest options, you yeah. can go here. Um, they got so a chopped salad. Uh, yeah, it's, but yeah. I nothing, imagine... even the salad there is not healthy. Yeah, I eat hot dogs for lunch, hot dogs for dinner. There was a guy at Machinima that would go and get a 99 cent hot dog every day for lunch. 7-Eleven? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean. And look at him now. Probably rich That somewhere. man now owns 9% of Twitter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one simple trick. Uh, so the man who exposed the food hack said that he mainly did it as a way to pay down his student loans faster because we live in hell. And uh, he was only able to make it work because of the proximity of his current job to this particular Six Flags location. So then his story, of course, went viral. People quickly realized they could also take advantage of this deal, especially these days when inflation is at record highs. Well, party's over, pal. Six Flags has now officially ended the program. Though they claim the decision is unrelated to the viral story, but the timing is just so suspicious. Mm. Uh, here's local station KTLA with more. Six Flags Magic Mountain is ending its unlimited dining plan and replacing it with meal add-ons that guests can purchase with their tickets and passes. Previously, Six Flags sold a $150 dining plan that lets season pass holders get two meals and a snack every day of the year. Continues, unfortunately for those hoping to begin a diet of amusement park burgers and fries, that dining option is no longer available. Now, members and season pass holders can instead add a $39.99 four meal plan to their passes. It includes four entrees that can be redeemed all in one day or throughout the year. There's also a $330 ultimate pass that includes a 10 meal dining plan at Magic Mountain. Holders can redeem all 10 meals in one day or spread them out throughout the season. So, wow, what a downgrade. Also odd. Also, how many people were actually like exploiting? This? Also Come very on. odd because like four meals for $40 or 10 meals for $330? Yeah, I that, don't know about the math. Yeah, that's... But it's ultimate. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, I think the ultimate comes with like you can get like a free soda every time. Oh. Unlimited all day. Because sodas cost nothing. And a cool cup with a, a plastic straw. Yeah. It's got Superman on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you live just like everything else these days. Uh, going forward, you're going to have to pay way more for way less. Yep. Thanks, Joe Biden. Put his, <laughs> put the, I, that, that's me or uh, I did that yeah, sticker yeah, yeah. on the. On one of the rides. Yeah. Right next to the concession counter. I did that. Yeah. Six Flags Magic Mountain spokeswoman Alex French told KTLA that the viral stories about people eating at the park daily did not influence the company's decision. Sure. Mm. Quote, we believe there is no better value than a visit to Six Flags and continuously look at ways to improve our product offerings with the goal of elevating the guest experience. Based on guest feedback, we recently launched a simplified pass program that better aligns with those preferences, including add-ons like the dining pass. Okay, just shut up. There's no way people went out of their way to be like, hi, that amazing deal you have, what have you made it worth? Can I pay more for less? 
Yeah. I just really want to support this small independent business. We were getting away with it for too long. I mean, honestly, most people probably are just going there like four times a year. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, like no one complained about this. Stop lying. Yeah. Stop lying. But as nearly all prices rise, there has been one noticeable holdout that refuses to alter their deal amidst inflation. Arizona iced tea and their famous 99 cent tall boys. You'd assume that they would have to raise prices on these cans of tea, just like everyone else. Hell, even the dollar stores are up in their prices. It's the dollar 25 cent store yeah. now. No more, no more dollar menu at McDonald's. But no, Arizona iced tea, they refuse to budge. And it's not because their costs have remained the same. They are making less, but they're trying to keep their customers happy, which is great. Yeah. Here's the Los Angeles Times with more. Gas is nearly six bucks a gallon. Groceries are 8% higher than last year. Dollar stores, now a dollar and a quarter stores. But a giant 23 ounce can of Arizona iced tea still costs 99 cents. The same price it has been since it hit the market 30 years ago. How does Arizona pull this off while everything else goes up? The price of aluminum has doubled in the last 18 months. The price of high fructose corn syrup has tripled since 2000. Gas prices are pumping up delivery costs. One $19.92 adjusted for inflation is worth two $2022. But the 99 cent big ass can, as the company calls it, persists. <laughs> the short answer, the company is making less money. The big cans are still profitable, but for the moment, they're much less so than a few years ago. Wow. Okay. It's still a deal. I mean, we listen to the customers though, and they're saying raise the prices. I mean, there has been uh, a lot of like corner stores. They'll they'll put a price tag over that little because the ninety nine cents is it's it's in the label. They'll yeah. cover that up with their own price Arizona tag. Arizona gets on the phone. They're like, "What the fuck are you doing? Don't think we don't know what you're doing down there." Mm -hmm. The cans is ninety nine cents. It's it's Arizona, and then it's the the Costco guy. It's like. I will fucking kill you if you make that hot dog more than $1.99. You need to make a, a, a sticker of the owner of Arizona Iced Tea saying, I kept that. Yeah. Uh, it continues, Don Voltaggio, the 70-year-old, eight founder <laughs> and chairman of the company, what? Is choosing to take a haircut in order to keep the price flat and cans moving. Quote, I'm committed to that 99-cent price. When things go against you, you tighten your belt, Voltaggio said on a Zoom call in early April from his headquarters on Long Island, New York. Even though his costs are higher, quote, I don't want to do what the bread guys and the gas guys and everybody else are doing, Voltaggio said. Consumers don't need another price increase from a guy like me. Voltaggio's calculation is that raising prices and losing customers in the process just isn't worth the short-term profit. Your company has to deal with cost increases, but your customers have to deal with cost increases too, Voltaggio said. And if you break their back, nobody wins. And nobody's going to tell this guy that he's making a wrong decision. I believe the price says 99 cents. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Could you imagine like owning a shop like and being having the gall <laughs> to raise the prices? This guy comes crashing through your door, I leaving see, a silhouette uh, of broken... I see you've used your price tag gun to obscure the fact that the can it clearly says 99 cents. He just busted over the guy's head like in that viral video of the guy <laughs> taking down the robber. Oh, who am I, you ask? I'm Don Voltaggio, and this is my <laughs> this is my iced, iced tea company. Sure, I don't have an Arizona accent. I'm from Long Island. So yeah, uh, that's that's awesome. Very noble. Yeah. Uh, kind of unheard of in just business in general. If this was a publicly traded company, this man would be ousted from his position. We got to get rid of this guy. 
And uh, yeah, we hope that they can stick it out because right now monitoring the price of a can of Arizona iced tea might be the best way to notice whether or not Armageddon is right around the corner. Once that happens, that that uh, that sets off the tripwire. The the doomsday clock yep. finally hits midnight. But it has to be the, the printed on can price that changes because you can go around and they'll be putting the price yeah. tags on it differently. If you see like a dollar nine right on the can, then it's time to run. I'm, what I'm surprised they haven't done like uh, you've seen a lot of companies like the Toblerone, they just like shaved off a yeah. certain amount of chocolate. I'm surprised they haven't like shrunk the can by just an amount that you wouldn't even notice. A 16 ounce can now, or a 20 ounce can will be no unnoticeable to a 23 ounce. Yeah, yeah, or just like thicker aluminum. And that, it's, like, it's like the beer at Applebee's. It's like the glasses. Yeah, half the glass, an inch thick. You're getting half a beer, and they're like, it's <laughs> always two for one here at Applebee's. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the other thing is like. I I can't remember the full story of it, but they have like a really good deal with the Arnold Palmer family because they make the Arnold Palmer, oh, yeah. like the official yeah. Arnold Palmer iced tea and lemonade. So they're probably banking off that too. I mean, they're very popular. In that article, it says that they sell a billion cans a year. So it's a billion dollars. Yeah. They can be making two billion, but he's like, nah, I got enough. I mean, Why, what's, what's wrong with this country where you can't look around and say, I've had enough? <laughs> I love this guy. I had yeah. no idea. That's great. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that's our episode. Um, we got, well, first of all, stay tuned. Sometime soon. Uh, we interviewed Santa Claus. Yes, we did. And uh, I will not elaborate further. You're just going to have to stick around. That video will be dropping at some point in the next 24 hours or so. Mm -hmm. uh, but for now, most recent episode of Weekly Weird News. Please and watch that one because it got, this the is what's fucked up. algorithm did not like that. It yeah. got, well, we knew it was going to get demonetized. But it got demonetized like right at the beginning, and then got the money back. And then it then it when got no one's watching it demonetized after it had already dropped out of yeah. uh, being in the priority feed. I don't know how to please this algorithm. So I think it's look if you want to demonetize it afterwards, that's fine, whatever. But just let us have the views first. Yeah. Because it was just completely stricken from sub feeds, and then it was like, oh yeah, no, this video is fine actually. Well, the damage is done. Thank you very much. So please watch that episode. And also uh, the most recent episode of Tech News Day. We'll be back with uh, Santa Claus and another episode of Tech News Day very soon. We'll see you soon. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.